You're listening to a message from Third Church in Richmond, Virginia, where we believe we are called together for the renewal of all things through Jesus Christ. To learn more about Third or how you can get involved with our community, please check out our website, thirdrva.org. That's T-H-I-R-D-R-V-A dot org. Thanks for listening. Do praise you, Father, Son, and Spirit, that you have come into our world to make yourself known to us in the person of Jesus. And we praise you that all of Scripture bears witness to him, that we might see him and know him and experience him. We pray now that as we spend a few minutes now in the reading and preaching of your word, that you would illumine this time by the power of your spirit, that you might touch each of us with your peace. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Welcome again. It's so great to see all of you guys here. I know that there's a lot of you here that are longtime members, and I know there's out-of-town guests, and there's Visitors, uh, there are those of you here who think of yourself as believers or doubters or skeptics or wonderers. Uh, there are those of you who are here who are happy, some who are sad, some who are lighthearted, some who are heavily burdened. Uh, and, and we just want to say that we're grateful that all of you are here and we think that God wants you to be here, that it's, not, uh, it's on purpose that you're here. Because this truly is a holy night that we are celebrating together that God has come into our world to make himself known and his love known to us in the person of Jesus. We, we have been, um, as a church, spending the last month looking at what we're calling the Songs of Christmas. Uh, the, the New Testament has four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and Luke is the one who tells most of the stories that we hear about at Christmas time. And he records, in his first two chapters, he records four songs, four songs that four different people sang around the time of the birth of Christ. And so what we've been doing the last few weeks, we've been looking at each of those four songs. So we've looked at um, Zechariah's song, which is the Benedictus, and we've looked at Mary's song, which is the Magnificat, and we've looked at Simeon's song, which is the Nunc Dimittis, that means like uh, now depart. And then tonight we're looking at the angel's song, which is the Gloria. We've actually already sung it tonight, Gloria in Excelsis Deo. So um, we're going to hear Nora... Um, And Audrey, read that story from Luke 2. So let's listen as they read this famous story to us. I'm reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things 
they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I, I really do think that one of the most wonderful and mysterious things about the Christmas story is the role of the angels. It, it's interesting because the angels, angels actually don't show up very much in the Bible um, before these stories, maybe a few times in the Old Testament. But then suddenly in Luke 1 and 2, it's like the angels are just working overtime. They're everywhere. And so we see one show up to Mary and to Joseph and to Zechariah and then to all these shepherds in the field. And this particular story of them appearing to the shepherds in the field has, is really probably one of the most famous parts of the Christmas story and in many ways has become central to the, the, the Christmas imagination over the last hundreds of years. If you think about it, so many of our Christmas carols are about this story. We've, we sang a lot of them tonight. Hark the herald angels sing. Angels we've heard on high. Angels from the realm of glory. Um, almost every song has something about the angels singing in it. It, it, is, it has become such a part of our Christmas imagination. So much of Christmas art and decor and decorations have to do with angels, angel trinkets, angel statues, angel napkins, angel ornaments. If you're a parent and you've ever had your kid in preschool or Sunday school, you have like a billion of those little paper angel ornaments with your kid's face plastered on it. This is, this is one of our girls... Uh, uh, this is our favorite ornament of her. We call this the, the angel uh, bouncer is what we call this one. Um, so, so yes, angels are truly um, central to uh, the way that we remember the Christmas story. I, I do need to do a little bit of angel myth busting um, because there's a lot of things that we believe about angels that I'm just not really sure where they came from, probably more from the Renaissance than from the Bible. Um, angels don't have wings, um, according to scripture. They don't have halos. Uh, they don't play harps. Um, I, I'm pretty sure they're not cute and chubby, and they are definitely not naked babies. Um, <laughs> I'm not really sure where that came from. Um, what scripture does teach about the angels is that they are created beings. They're part of God's heavenly council, and they, when they show up, they look a lot like humans, like really impressive humans that people are often afraid of. And they always have an announcement. They always have something to announce that usually is a really big deal. And that's actually what the word angel means. The word angel means messenger. That's all they do. Their, their messengers come to with a serious announcement from God. So this is why angels are so central to the Christmas story, because they are announcing to first the shepherds and everyone through them, they're announcing that something has happened that has changed the course of history forever. Something has happened in the birth of this child that has changed everything. What is it? Well, obviously, it's, it's the birth of Jesus. That's what Christians celebrate at Christmas. But what I want to talk just for a few minutes with you about is the meaning of that birth, which is really the, the content of their song that they sing in verse 14. Here, here's the song. It's just we don't know how it sounded, but these were the words, and it's really simple. They just sang this, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace. Peace. That's what they sang about, peace. 
That was their message, peace. That's why they were so excited. That's why they were lighting up the sky, peace. But what does that mean? And what kind of peace were they singing about? Were they singing about world peace? Well, maybe, but probably not. There's not been a whole lot of world peace since they sang this song the last 2,000 years. Uh, Were they singing about um, inner peace, sort of the inner peace of the soul? Well, maybe, but I don't think so. I mean, I can tell you from experience that believing in Jesus or being a Christian really doesn't automatically give you inner peace. I have not had much of that in my life. So what is it? What are they singing about? If they're not singing about world peace or inner peace, what are they singing about? Well, what I want to suggest to you is that what the angels are singing about is peace with God. They're singing about a healed relationship between humanity and our creator. That somehow in this person, Jesus, the conflict, the age-old conflict between God and humanity has been healed. This would be an interesting exercise. Um, I'm not suggesting that you do it. I'm just saying it would be interesting if you walked up to four or five strangers and you just asked them, what do you think is the main problem in the world? What is the main problem in the world? I mean, I'd expect you to hear a lot of different answers. You'd probably hear some people say, well, it's a, it's a, a social problem or it's an economic problem, a problem of inequity, or it's an educational problem, a problem of ignorance, or it's a it's a, a geopolitical problem. You know, all, and all of these are very, very serious problems. But what's interesting is that the Bible suggests that behind all the problems in the world, all of the suffering in the world, all the evil in the world, behind all of these problems, there is an even deeper problem, and it is a spiritual and relational problem. That there is a conflict between humanity and and the God that made them. That there is a breach, a wall, a barrier. It wasn't always this way. It wasn't supposed to be this way. The Bible teaches that God made us and he made us like him and he made us for him and he made us to live with him and that all of life and meaning and joy and abundance flows out of that relationship with him. But if you know the story and if probably if you know your own heart, you know that over and over again, humans choose to live without God and that we choose to live in rebellion to God and and to live in ignorance of God or to live with God on the margins of our lives. And what this has done is it's created this profound separation, this conflict, this wall, this barrier has been produced between humanity and our creator. And I don't know if you've ever really felt this way before. I don't know if you've thought about this or even experienced it yourself. I certainly have. Or you just feel this distance from God? Do you feel separated? Do you feel uh, like you don't even know if God is there? And if he is, what God thinks about you? And this, this sense of spiritual homelessness and restlessness is all part of this estrangement, which is a great word because it means that we were once made to be together and now we and God are strangers. And if this is true, if, if this is true, that you were made for God and that all of joy and life and meaning and purpose flow out of that relationship, if that is true, 
then the greatest tragedy of human existence would to be separated from this God. It means that you could have anything that you ever wanted. You could have all of your success. You could have your greatest ambitions fulfilled. You could have the deepest loves, the greatest family, the, a mass of fortune, uh, be on the cover of magazines. I mean, you could have the, everything you ever wanted and not have this, this one thing that you were made for, and in the end, you would have nothing. And so this is why the big question that the Bible asks again and again is, how is this going to be healed? How, how is this conflict with God and humanity going to be made right? How is peace going to be made? What, how is the conflict going to be mended? And this question is asked for centuries and centuries and millennia until one day out in that field in this dark night to a bunch of nobody shepherds, a bunch of angels show up and they proclaim, they announce, God has ended the war. God has done it. He has broken through. He has come into our space. He has breached the wall. He has overcome the barrier. He has ended the conflict. He has entered in and he has made peace. And where once the word over humanity was a word of condemnation, now God pronounces a word of favor, peace, peace. I love what... Um, Gregory the Great, this uh, theologian 1,500 years ago, wrote about this. He, he wrote about this from the perspective of the angels. He said, before the Redeemer was born, there was conflict between us and the angels. Because through sin we had become strangers to God, the angels, as God's subjects, cut us off from their fellowship. So he's saying before Jesus, the angels basically hated us. But then it says, because the king of heaven had taken unto himself the flesh of our earth, the angels from their heavenly heights no longer looked down upon us in our infirmity. Now they are at peace with us, putting away the remembrance of the ancient discord. Now they honor us as friends whom before they beheld weak and despised below them. Y'all, this is why the angels are singing. This is why they're lighting up the sky. They are singing like we just sang, hark the herald angels sing, peace on earth and mercy mild, what's the next line? You know it. God and sinners reconciled, reconciled, that through this Christ, God has made peace forever. And so the question, really, I think the most important question to ask at a holy night like this is, what are you going to do about that? How are you going to respond to this peace with God? I, I just want to suggest two simple things that you might do with this peace with God. One is to simply receive it, to receive this good news that God has extended peace to you. Um, it's easy to think of Christmas as just sort of this annual time of fuzzy feelings to remember to be good and giving and to get in touch with the best qualities of human nature. Uh, we just, our family just watched that new um, uh, Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell movie. Um, what's it called? Spirited, thanks. See, all of y'all have watched it too. And it's just like another take on Scrooge, you know, the, the Dickens tale. And it's fine. It's solidly fine movie. Um, and it's, but it's basically the theme of many Christmas movies. Like a really selfish person has something unusual happen to them, and they suddenly realize that they're greedy and they want to be giving and generous instead. It's sort of a story of moral transformation, right? And that's fine. But I just want to be clear, that's not the message of the angels, it is not a message of moral transformation. <laughs> they come to a bunch of angels in the field who are basically religious outsiders, moral outcasts, 
Secondary citizens, common laborers, they were probably out there in the field telling dirty jokes and vaping, right? And the angels show up and they do not announce to them a message of moral transformation. They do not say, hey guys, get your act together. God's coming. No, they, 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 they say, we come to bring you good, what? News, not good advice. Not good advice about how to live or how to be good or how to pull your act together or how to be a good person. No, it's good news that God's done something. God now has made peace with you. And thank goodness, because good news is way better than good advice. Good advice says, here's what you need to do. Good news says, here's what God has done. Good advice says, here's how you better pull your life together. Good news says, here's what God has done to pull things together for you. Good advice says, here's what you gotta do to climb your way up to God. Good news says, here's what God has done to climb his way down to you. Because that's the good news. God has ended the war. And you don't have to wonder anymore where God is or how he feels about you or what God thinks about you. The good news is that God has made peace with you because he loves you. And he has entered into our space that you might live with him forever. So there's only one thing to do with good news is just to respond to it. In May, um, my favorite ice cream store in town, Gelati Celeste, announced on social media free ice cream scoop day. No strings attached. You just show up at the store, get a free ice cream. So what do you do when you hear astonishing good news like that? <laughs> you, you can either like ignore it and say it's fake news and it's too good to be true, or you can drop everything and go get it. And that's what I did four times that day. Uh, <laughs> and that's what you do with good news. You don't analyze good news. You don't have to fix good news. You don't have to figure out what to do. You just respond. You either ignore it, and that's what I'm suggesting you do. Is there some of you, in response to this good news, you're just going to go home and think that was a nice service, but it's not relevant to me. And I just want to urge you, go for it. Get it. Receive it. Trust that this one that God has given to us, Christ, is the one that through his life, death, and resurrection, God has made peace with you. Will you turn towards the God who has turned toward you in love? Receive it. Finally, the, the last thing I'll say you do with peace with God is to, is to live it. I know I said earlier that the angels are really singing about peace with God and not global peace or inner peace. And yet the truth is, the more we live out of our peace with God, then the more inner peace we'll experience and the more we will want to make peace in the world, the more we'll want to bring peace in a world of conflict. Um, this December has been super stressful for me. Um, stuff, Ed will tell you, this stuff at, with this move has been really, really stressful, and there's just been other things that have happened that have just really put me in a heightened state of agitation. I do not think I've been a very easy person to live with the last few weeks, and I certainly have not had inner peace. And it was actually in the middle of writing this sermon. Sometimes a preacher converts themselves. <laughs> it was in the middle of writing this sermon that I realized just how little inner peace that I had and that I was not in any way living out of my peace with God, that I was living as if it was all up to me, that I had to fix the problems, that somehow I had to manage everything and that the stress that I was experiencing was causing me to, to really be hurtful and agitated to others. And so I just stopped and I breathed and I remembered and I claimed that God loves me and he sees me and I belong to God and I'm not alone and it's not up to me to fix my life and fix the world, but to surrender to the one who holds all things. 
And so I just want to invite you to maybe consider one area of your life right now where you are really lacking peace, where you're experiencing anxiety, struggle, discouragement. Maybe it's a relational conflict that you are feeling acutely right now at Christmas within your family. Maybe it's financial or vocational stress, or maybe you're just anxious about the state of the world. And I just want to invite you to imagine yourself standing out in that dark field with those shepherds holding your burden, and suddenly the sky, the black sky opens up bright above you, and you hear the song of the angel say to you, peace, you are the one on whom God's favor rests, you. And can you receive that? No matter how you might feel, no matter what you might think about God, can you hear the truth that God sees you, God loves you, and God has broken into be with you forever? You are never alone. You are never alone. And so can you live out of that peace? When you feel ashamed and worthless and alone, can you live out of the peace that you are seen and known and loved by God? When you feel drowned in anger and an inability to forgive, can you live out of the peace that in Christ you are forgiven and that therefore you have the power to forgive? When you are overwhelmed with the anxiety of the world, can you live out of the peace that is not up to you to fix or save it but that God has done and will do it all through Christ, and the day is coming when he will make all things new. The more we claim and remember and live out of the peace that is ours in Christ, increasingly we become people of peace in a turbulent world. So friends, I want to invite you tonight that we would join the song of the angels, that we would rejoice and praise God for the peace that he has brought for us in Christ. In his first letter, Peter is talking about the good news of Jesus, and he says this very interesting thing in verse 12, that even angels long to look into these things. He's saying that when the angels look at the gospel, what God has done at Christmas, they are amazed. They are astounded. They long to understand the mystery of why God would do this for humanity, and they can't stop singing. They can't stop being amazed. They never stop wondering about it. And so the invitation is to be like the angels. Don't lose your amazement. Never stop wondering. Never stop being amazed at this, what happened tonight. Peace on earth. Goodwill. Mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Thanks be to God. Amen.